uh, I have on the wire with me now uh, Michael uh, Nevredakis, who uh, uh, is a uh, former student here at Stony Brook and has recently uh, returned from Greece. Michael, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Bill. Okay, so nice to have you uh, with me here this morning and with the listeners here at WUSB. Michael, you were a student at one time here, is that correct? Yes, I was a student at uh, Stony Brook from 2002 to 2007, and I was also uh, quite involved in uh, WUSB and still am. And what what capacity did you act in here at WUSB while at Stony Brook? Well, I was program director for a year and a half, and then along with uh, two other graduate students, we were co-general managers for one semester, and right now I am the host of Long Island Hellenic Radio, which airs after your show every Thursday from 1 to 2 p.m. Terrific. You know, I I looked that up uh, this morning on the computer in the next room, and it showed nothing was was up. But I've had that experience before where that computer in the other room will show nothing, and then the one here in studio will show a program. There is a program ready for airing today, isn't there, Michael? Uh, Yes, it's another repeat, uh, but a show is ready to air. And beginning next week, I'll have uh, new shows ready to broadcast. Okay, good. And now at this time, after graduation at Stony Brook, you're now in another location in the country. Where are you at now? Yes, now I am in Austin, Texas. I'm a doctoral student in media studies at the University of Texas at Austin. Okay, great. Okay, that's wonderful. Now, how long a program is that that you'll be involved in for that doctorate? Uh, Approximately five years, give or take. I see, I see. And the thing that uh, has sort of brought us together is not only the fact that Long Island Hellenic Music comes on after this show and our connection that has developed in getting that program on air, but I was also attracted by the uh, uh, the fact that you had taken a trip and have just returned from a trip to Greece, huh? Yes, I was just in Greece. Uh, I was there for about a month, and I got back just a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you go to Greece because you have family there? I have family there, but I also go for academic reasons. And in fact, I'm going to be returning to Greece in September. Uh, I've received a Fulbright scholarship, and I will be in Greece for one year doing uh, my dissertation research. Oh, boy, that sounds good. Now, what part of Greece are you in when you're there? I spend a lot of time in Athens, uh, but I also go to some other locations, such as Crete and Rhodes, uh, where my relatives are. Uh, over the years, I've gotten to see the almost the entire country, however. I see, I see. And, you know, Greece has been in the news, and it's caught my attention. I haven't devoted it a lot of a lot of time to it because, in a sense, it sort of mirrors what's going on in our own country, but you must have had some experience with the with the turmoil. Could you give us a little rundown on that from what you what you experienced while there? Absolutely. And let me start by saying that I was also in Greece uh, last year during the summer of 2011, and also during the spring of 2010. So I've had three different opportunities so far to be in Greece at times. Uh, that were sort of very historic for the country. In 2010, I went to Greece. Soon after Greece first signed its agreement with the International Monetary Fund uh, to receive the first so-called bailout. 
Last year I was in Greece, and most of the time I was in Athens for about two months. Uh, at the time where Greece signed its second uh, agreement with the uh, International Monetary Fund and the so-called Troika, the European Central Bank, and uh, the European Union. Uh, and I was there when very, very large-scale protests took place. This year I was in Greece. Uh, as you may know, there were two elections in the last couple of months in Greece. I was not there for the first elections that were on May 6th, but I was in Greece for the second elections and for all of the uh, campaigning that took place leading up to the second election. So I got to experience that firsthand. Uh, what I can say about this year specifically is that the results of the first elections, the elections that took place on May 6th, really shocked not just uh, people in Greece, but really shocked the world because we were talking about the almost total collapse of what was previously a political system dominated by two parties, the Nea Democratia, New Democracy Party, which is the center-right party, and PASOK, which is the supposedly center-left party. And those two parties had been in power interchangeably uh, for the last 40 years. And in the previous elections in 2009, they had received a combined, I believe, 80 or 81 percent of the vote. So they were really the two dominant political forces in a country. People were so fed up with these parties that on the May 6th elections, the two parties combined received about 32 or 33 percent. So they lost about two-thirds of, of their voter base in less than three years, which is just an incredible result. Um, no party was really able to emerge victorious from the first elections. No one obviously came even close to a majority. Uh, the party that nominally won the elections uh, was New Democracy, with I believe about 18.9% of the vote, uh, far below what was needed for them to form even a to even have a chance of forming a, a, a coalition government with other parties. And it should be noted that uh, in that first election, about 35-36% of eligible voters did not vote, and 19% of voters actually voted for parties that did not enter parliament, the so-called, I wouldn't even call them third parties, I would call them really just very, very small parties uh, that together got 19% of the vote. They got combined more of a percentage than New Democracy did. So that was just an earth-shattering result. There were no coalition government was formed out of it, so new elections were called, which were to be held on June 17th. Now, what happened after the first elections is quite interesting, and in my opinion, quite disturbing as well. Uh, the major political parties, Nea Democratia, New Democracy, and PASOK, began to wage what I would personally call, and I experienced this firsthand by just watching TV and reading the newspapers in Greece, a, a campaign of terror and false promises. And why do I call it terror and false promises? Well, let me start with the terror. Constantly in campaign speeches, in appearances on debates, on television, and so forth, you would constantly hear uh, the candidates from New Democracy and from PASOK telling voters that the choice that they had on June 17th was between staying in Europe, staying in the European Union and in the Eurozone, or leaving and sort of destroying the country. They were pretty much creating this, what I would call a false dilemma. They were telling voters, vote for us or else the country will be destroyed. Um, and a lot of people took the bait. A lot of people took the bait. Uh, a lot of people 
you, you heard it in conversations, you heard it, uh, you, you just heard people talking about it. People were worried that if the new party uh, that was sort of rising very quickly in the polls, a party called Syriza, which is a progressive left party, people, a lot of people were worried that if this party won, that Greece will come out of the Eurozone, uh, that Greece will pull out of NATO, that Greece will pull out of the European Union, uh, that Greece will return to some sort of third world country status almost overnight. Uh, and a lot of people went out and voted for parties like New Democracy and PASOK, uh, not because I feel they genuinely believe that those parties will turn the country around, but because they wanted to not vote for the other party that they felt was going to supposedly destroy the country. So in the June 17th elections, New Democracy won. They were still far below what they used to get in previous elections, but they won with about 28.9%. Uh, and Syriza, the progressive left party, which for years was receiving maybe 4 or 5% of the vote, went up to 27% or so, 26% or 27%. So they were very close. Cities that had a very good shot at winning, but they fell short. Uh, and a coalition government was formed between New Democracy, PASOK, and a smaller party uh, called Democratiki Aristera, which is, translates as Democratic Left. Now, one final thing that I'll mention is that aside from this scaremongering, there were also a lot of promises made by New democracy in particular. New democracy was promising that the uh, the agreement, the memorandum with the Troika, with the IMF and the European Union would be renegotiated, uh, that they will not lower salaries and pensions anymore, that they will restore a lot of the cuts that were made to health care, to pensions, to social services. Uh, they will restore collective bargaining agreements that had been obliterated in a previous agreement. They made all of these promises, and then the moment that New Democracy won and all indications were that they would form a coalition government, uh, the new prime minister, uh, the president of New Democracy, Antoni Samaras, gave a speech where he said that we will fulfill our obligations to the European Union and the IMF. You can translate that as saying, we will do everything we've already agreed to, no changes. Mm -hmm. And what we've just been seeing since then is more of the same. They're, they've shown no signs at all of actually having a willingness to go and renegotiate all of these very harsh austerity terms that have really wrecked the Greek economy. They are doing more of the same. They said whatever they have to do to get elected, and now that they are in power, they're just continuing the same old politics. Hmm. That's why I say it sounds like what's going on in our own country. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Now, the groundwork for this, uh, I, I would imagine if we wanted to go back in history, uh, we could get all the way back to World War II, uh, maybe prior, when the left was a very strong force. The communists were a strong force in, uh, in Greece. And uh, at the conclusion of the war, why actions were taken to destroy the left, which I guess was really thoroughly accomplished, huh? except the people clung to their, they clung to what they had become accustomed to and what in reality people are entitled to. They're entitled to some, some consideration, if you will, by the state. 
But as time has gone on, it seems to me that this rightward swing, this Koch brothers type of action to take it all back and to intensify the disparity under a free market type of an, of an application has just been an ongoing thrust. And now we, we've reached the point of where, it seems to me, where the people recognize that they are going to lose everything in spite of the fact that certain things are promised, nothing is fulfilled. The obligation is to satisfy the needs of capital. And just last week, we saw where Germany finally capitulated. And granted, I guess what amounts to a third influx of money for Greece. Is that correct? Um, they are making such agreements, even though when we talk about an influx of money to Greece, uh, it should be clarified that this money isn't going to pay people salaries or mm -hmm. pensions or to fund necessary services that the state provides. That's a common myth about the uh, bailout, the so-called bailout that Greece has received. Mm -hmm. All of the money that Greece is receiving from these bailouts is going right back to the lenders, right back to the banks that Greece owes money to. Uh, none of this money goes to pay salaries or pensions or health care. And, in fact, it's written in these agreements that this money is not to be used for these purposes. Mm -hmm. So it, it sounds very good in terms of PR to come out and say, oh, look, we're saving Greece, mm -hmm. we're giving the Greeks money so that the state doesn't go bankrupt, and without us you're not going to be able to pay salaries and pensions and you're all going to starve. Mm -hmm. But the reality of it is quite different. It's not a bailout for Greece. It's a bailout for Greece's lenders. Of course. Of course. And um, that is reminiscent of what has taken place here. The bailouts that we have experienced in this country have all been directed to the too-big-to-fail financial institutions while people's houses are being foreclosed upon. So the similarities are, are tremendous. And reminiscent, I'm, I'm reminded, of about five, maybe it's seven, I lose track of time, uh, when there was a bailout that we performed, the U.S. performed, for Mexico. And people were all up in arms. Oh, my God, giving money to the Mexican people. No, the same situation was true. That money went to the Mexican government, which then enabled them to pay back the lenders, to pay back those that they were indebted to, no penny of which went to any of the Mexican people. So it's a worldwide situation that seems yeah, to... And the similarities are, are striking, really. Yes, yes, indeed. Now... What's the status of the people in the street? Because here in our country, as we listen to the few voices that are left, maybe we could quote Chris Hedges right off the bat, who seems to be so prominent these days, advocating for people in the streets, resistance to these policies. What's the status of resistance in Greece? To be honest, right now, uh, and this I felt was very unfortunate, there really isn't anything going on as far as people protesting. When I was in Greece last summer, uh, that was when the movement of the uh, Greek so-called Aganakvizmeni, which we know them as the uh, Indignados, uh, borrowing that term from Spain, they had come out onto the streets. There were protests every night. They had taken over the central square in Athens outside of the parliament, and they were there for about two months before their encampment was cleared out, which 
another striking similarity mm. with what has been happening here in the U.S. with Occupy Wall Street. Exactly. At some point, they were evicted. Exactly. Since then, there have been a few isolated protests, sort of one-shot deals, but that's about it. You haven't seen in the last several months any sort of protests, any sort of organized movement against what is happening in the country. Instead, I would describe the attitude of people in Greece as one of hopelessness. Mm. Uh, people have a very pessimistic outlook. Mm -hmm. uh, it's almost as if a lot of people are resigned to their fates. They've given up. Um, a lot of people did not vote even in the previous elections, the June 17th elections. In fact, the percentage of people who didn't vote went up to about 38 or 39 percent. So uh, almost two out of five eligible voters did not vote, in other words, in the previous elections because Again, it, it comes down to this attitude that people feel that they are powerless. They, they went out, they protested, and their response was that they got tear gas. Mm -hmm. uh, the media criticized them, just as the media here in the U.S. has criticized um, and, and insulted, really, uh, the, and, and, and misinformed the public about the Occupy Wall Street protesters. The same exact thing has happened in Greece. Uh, the media is pro-memorandum. The media is pro-IMF. Uh, the media is all in favor of these policies. So the protesters were made to look bad. They were called anarchists. They were called communists. They were called all sorts of other names. Um, and right now you just don't see any of that anymore. I don't know if things, if they continue to get worse in Greece, if people will come out to the streets again. I'm sure that if things get bad enough, that will happen. But for now... You just don't see anything. You go to the central square of Athens, Sindagma Square, and you just see tourists. You don't see anyone protesting. Yes, I'm getting discouraged as we talk, and listeners will challenge me to be uh, positive, to uh, emphasize positive things instead of negative. And I say, look, I'm not presenting negativity to you. What I'm doing is presenting reality to you. And the reality is very discouraging. And when you reach that point of hopelessness, it means that you've given up on the idea of change. Change that we can believe in was promised to us and not delivered. So, uh, But I think that the people will come out again. Uh, they may be dealt with in the same way again. And the power structure may succeed in quelling the unrest again. But there really is only one course of action open if we are going to cling to hope, and that is to resist and to resist collectively and to develop bonds that connect us instead of succumbing to the division. I heard you tell us about the division that was promoted in Greece by demeaning that one party that might have promised some hope. So division is what is used. Fear and division are used by these power structures throughout the world in order to maintain a system which is so exploitive that it is destroying our habitat. It is destroying our world. Absolutely, and I really saw this divisiveness firsthand in Greece more than ever before, and I've been going to Greece since the late 80s. Um, no longer could you even see that people are divided along party lines as much as they are divided along, you know, what course of action they promote. There's the people that are in favor of the so-called bailout and the people that are in favor of leaving 
the Eurozone or leaving the European Union. There's the people that are in favor of austerity and the people that are in favor of rene renegotiation. Uh, and the election really was divided along those lines uh, more than along party lines. And on top of that, you still have uh, the old system of patronage, which is not going away in Greece, unfortunately, either. Uh, and I suspect, and this is certainly something I've heard from a lot of ordinary people in Greece, that a lot of the votes that uh, New Democracy and PASOK received also came based on patronage and promises of jobs and, 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 and all sorts of other things that you just know they're not going to deliver on those promises, and yet there's people that still believe them. Uh, and that's just another tactic that these parties have used, going back to their old playbook, in order to uh, get a few more votes and to ensure their victory. It's all very, very unfortunate, uh, and it just contributes to this divide, because there are people that are sick of that system. There are people in Greece that want change, um, and it's sort of a battle now between those people and people that, for one reason or another, we're either benefiting from the old system or who are benefiting from what is currently happening, who agree with the austerity, who agree with cutting the minimum wage, who think that this is the best course of action for the country. Hmm. Well, certainly as you as you describe things to us, I'm reminded of, uh, of responses. I'm reminded of ideas that I suddenly feel compelled to put out to the listeners, you know, based on what you say. And then as you continue to talk, and as I continue to talk, those things fly away, disappear in my memory. And ultimately, I can only say that things do look bleak. And uh, I, I am perhaps, that's why I have such a feeling about just having seen a PBS presentation about life gods at Jones Beach within that small community of people so dedicated to their task. They developed strong common bonds, and they had their labor troubles, and they stood strong against the state, and they won. So it can happen. But the key to that happening is that we resist the division, resist the demonization, say no, say no to the war-making, and, and get by the mythology. We just had a, an experience in mythology yesterday with the 4th of July, our Independence Day. Huh? And we could say a lot about it, and then probably as we finish throughout the rest of the show, I will refer to it, Michael, um, preparing to talk to another person who will be talking about Donald Trump as he reactivates his plans to ravage the beaches at Jones Beach and who knows, to perhaps provide a something akin to the Koch brothers, $50,000 a plate. I think the last I heard about this restaurant that he will be building uh, on Jones Beach, $500 a plate catering hall, certainly not in keeping with the People's Park at Jones Beach. So these forces are at work. And you see these forces in Greece too because among the terms that um, – Greece has agreed to with the IMF and the Troika are these large-scale privatizations. Mm. And when the European Union and the IMF come out and say that they will not renegotiate these terms and that Greece must live up to, these, to their commitments, what they are really thinking about are these privatizations because 
there's foreign investors waiting in the wings mm. that are ready and willing to come in and to buy up all of these key national assets at wholesale prices, whether and- it's the National Power Company or whether it's Greece's airports and mm. harbors or Greece's highway system mm. or its public transportation system. Mm. There's, there's a, a plan over here to sell off everything, everything sell yeah. off everything that the Greek state owns, mm. public lands, beaches, you name it. Uh, the uh, European Union and the IMF want to see a giant for sale sign on all of these assets. And it's not much different than what has happened uh, when the IMF and, and all of these international agencies have gotten involved in the Latin America and Argentina mm, and Bolivia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the same playbook, and it's happening in Greece now, and it's also happening in Portugal and mm. in, in, in some of the other countries that are suffering in Europe as well. It's the same playbook. And one additional thing is that Greece, uh, is also very likely to have large deposits of oil and natural gas. And there are plenty of people who are just rubbing their hands at the thought of the money that could be made exploiting mm-hmm. this oil and natural gas that may exist below Greece's seabed. Mm-hmm. And there are many in Greece who feel that this whole entire crisis, in part, uh, is due to the fact that there are people who want to come in and just take over these assets. I can't prove this, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me when looking at, you know, just looking at history, looking at what has happened in the past in so many other places around the world. Mm. I am wincing as you talk about the vultures that are salivating on the sums of money that can be made just as they are salivating over Social Security here in this country. But privatization is really commodification. Everything has a price. And the ultimate question is, what's your price? And if you object, if you object, what will it take to buy your acceptance? I mean, that's where we're at. And what is happening is, I was talking about the divisiveness. Uh, This divisiveness wasn't just a product of the Greek political parties or the Greek media outlets. You saw quite openly foreign politicians uh, including even President Obama, and also foreign media outlets quite openly and quite brazenly telling Greek people who to vote for. The German edition of the Financial Times, for instance, wrote an editorial before the June 17th election telling the Greek people to vote for new democracy. Uh, there were several German newspapers that also wrote very similar things. There was one called Bild, uh, which is a, a, a top-selling tabloid in Germany, that wrote an open letter to the Greek people that, aside from being very insulting, uh, basically lectured the Greek people on making the correct choice. Uh, You had President Obama come out and say that Greece needs to fulfill its obligations. You had the newly elected so-called socialist president of France, uh, Hollande, he, he had an interview with Greece's largest television network, and he was basically playing the good cop to Germany's bad cop by saying, well, I am personally a friend of the Greek people, but if the Greek people uh, choose to vote for a party that will not fulfill its obligations, then there are other countries, which he did not name, in Europe that will be happy to see Greece leave the European Union. You just had all of this pressure, all of this blackmail on the hands of the Greek people, and it was just an 
a stifling atmosphere. I mean, I, I couldn't even open the TV in Greece anymore without watching this stuff and hearing this stuff constantly. Mm. Uh, just the amount of psychological pressure that was placed on the Greek voters was was incredible, absolutely incredible, and, and, and really very disheartening for, for me to see. It must be. It must be. In our country, except for the Zuccotti Park, the Occupy Wall Street movement, our our body of citizens still seem to be accepting full acceptance of this two-party electoral process, which simply either elects the good cop or the bad cop. And uh, therefore, we continue to ask the question, what should the course of action be? Now, I'm talking to uh, Michael Nevaradakis, a former leader, if you will, at WSB here in Stony Brook, presently a doctoral candidate at the University of Texas, Austin, reporting firsthand on what he has experienced uh, on a recent trip on, uh, as a result of many trips over the years back to Greece. Eh? Very informative, Michael. Are you still there? Yes, I'm still here, Bill. Okay, I, I, heard a little, I hear a little garbling coming through, and I thought maybe something had happened to the line. But um, I, I am very pleased to have had this time to talk with you and to uh, demonstrate to our listeners uh, the similarities uh, to what is happening in our country and what is happening in other countries throughout the world. And if I had to sum it up, I might say because we are all in the grips of an exploitive system that is, that is really hell-bent on wringing every last drop out of everything, not only out of us, but out of the world itself. Absolutely. What is happening in Greece is just a symptom of what is happening all over the world at this time. And Greece, for the moment at least, is just a convenient punching bag or scapegoat for the world's problems. Uh, when in fact the crisis did not begin in Greece, uh, you don't have to be Greek to realize that. All you have to do is just look at the timeline of events uh, to see where the crisis began and when. Um, and just what is happening in Greece is uh, a situation where a country that uh, certainly is not very powerful is being taken advantage of uh, and in, in a sense being used as a, as a, as a lab experiment, uh, an experiment in extreme austerity, uh, an experiment perhaps to test the breaking point of the people to see, well, let's see how much we can lower people's salaries and cut their health care and cut their pensions and how much unemployment can go up uh, before people finally reach their breaking point. Uh, that is really what is happening in Greece right now. Um, and it's absolutely ludicrous, I'll finish with this, to hear um, the international media and politicians such as Obama and Hollande and France telling the Greek people to vote for parties like Nea Democratia and PASOK, uh, while at the same time we've also heard the Greek people categorized as lazy, as corrupt, as crooks. Hmm. Well, if we want to accept that there was corruption in Greece, the corruption was sponsored by the parties that were in power for the past 40 years, which are New Democracy and PASOK. So it's absolutely ludicrous and hypocritical for the international community to criticize the Greek people for being corrupt and then to tell the Greek people to vote for the corrupt parties uh, that created that system in the, whole place, in, in, in the first place. But that's exactly what's been happening. Hmm. 
Well, Michael, maybe you and I can keep in touch with one another, certainly through the through the program, Long Island Hellenic Music. We will be in touch, but I'd like to feel connected to the Greek community of resistance. Uh, I, I'd like to feel connected to the world's community of resistance as I continue to try to stimulate thought about developing a resistance community here in this country. Huh? So I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you, Bill, as well. Thank you for having me, and I would be happy to uh, to come on again, especially once I'm in Greece, uh, to uh, continue to update your listeners on what is happening on the ground in hey, Greece. I look forward to it, and I do feel connected, and I want to thank you. I look forward to our future conversations. Huh? Thank you very much, Bill. And good luck in your studies. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, Michael. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, folks, uh, reality, huh? Not a very encouraging situation, but we will go on to continue with encouragement today.